the Bronx Bull, the Raging Bull. Let's hear for the great Jake LaMotta, ladies and gentlemen. I'm the best. And I can take him more than anybody. You're dead, you're married. Leave the young girls for me. There's no way I'm going down. I don't go down for nobody. Listen with him. Why does he have to make it so hard on himself? If you beat Trigger Ray, you'll get a shot at the title. You feel that way? There's no one else around who wants to fight me. They're all afraid. There's a lot of bad things, Joey. Maybe it's coming back to me. back i am eric he is kevin this is the props podcast brought to you by sparty hot cash and the sparty hot cash hotline over on the fat packs podcast what's going on kevin i am excited i have not seen well i mean i'm excited because the cowboys <laughs> went straight but also i had not seen raging bull and holy cow probably like 10 years or something so i was interested to see uh you know taste change your philosophies change sure how did it hold up sure it you know what? This was my first time ever seeing this film. As okay. I, as I mentioned last week on the show, but uh, this was something that it's very, it's very favorably reviewed. And, oh yeah. And um, as I sat through it, I wondered why. I wondered why. It moves at a pace that doesn't really care what you think one way or another. Sure. And it's kind of funny, you know, the movie that I instantly thought of is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. That's a weird comparison. But I love 2001 A Space Odyssey, but I warn people that it operates at a slow pace. Yeah. It doesn't really care what you think. Raging Bull operates at a slow pace. Once you get past the first five or ten minutes, mm-hmm. that to the, I don't know, 50-minute hour mark, <laughs> man, it can be a grind, and it operates at a pace that it's like, this is how slow we're going. Yes. Deal with it. Deal with it now. So let's just get right to to the box office. This opened on December 19th. This 19- is a Christmas movie, It huh? is a Christmas movie. December 19th, 1980. Um Okay, Christmas movie, like we said, I, I don't, I don't quite understand that. Uh, estimated budget was eighteen million. That is a lot for nineteen eighty. It seems like it. It seems like it was a lot. Uh, maybe that's supposed to be. I mean, I think maybe there's some. Well, it says estimated, and there might be some triple zeros in there that are not supposed to be. In okay. There. Uh, oh, but opening weekend in the United States, one hundred twenty-eight thousand five hundred ninety dollars. Ooh. But it's 1980, right? Sure. So you got to... And it might have been a smaller release or yeah. where did it eventually end up? At? I actually have no clue. It, Yeah. this. You know what? I'm going to have to go over here to Metacritic and see because this. I think these numbers seem off. It says $18 million was the budget, $128,590 on opening weekend, limited release. No, I'm, I'm sorry. November 16th, limited release. So okay. It, it did not open widely until a month later. Okay. So okay. You want to make sure you qualify for the Academy Awards and all that. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and then the gross 
that, see, that's not right. This says gross February 2005, $49,000. That's not right. So some, the numbers are off here. I know it made more than that. These surely, numbers are right? off. Let me let me scroll down here on um, on Metacritic and see if I can find that information because that is that just doesn't seem right. It does not seem right. But while I do that, we can talk about the stars of the show. If it if it helps, uh, Box Office Mojo sure has it at. 23 million 23 million on opening on uh total total it has the same opening weekend but it says that opening weekend it only opened in four theaters which okay. i know is always like a go-to strategy sure. for academy award movies sure. i was curious about that because like we'll go with that we'll go 23 million this this strikes me so it was not really a hit it right. was not a hit. No, it wasn't. But this strikes me, and I wonder how much of that box office came in later after they announced the Academy Award nominations, because sure. I have a feeling that this movie is probably up for a lot of Academy Awards. This strikes me as a movie that doesn't appeal to like just the regular people a lot, right, right. because it is about boxing, but it's not about boxing the way Rocky is about boxing. It's about like life and questions and sure. quandaries, and like it's... This is a highfalutin movie. Right. Let's just get that out of the way. Yes? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so, like, it's really violent. It has weird themes of pedophilia in it, too, that are never really resolved. No. It has, it's rated a really hard R. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really violent. It's very graphic in the boxing scenes. Yes. Uh, so I guess part of me wonders, like, what the audience is that this appeals to? It's a good movie. It really is. But we might disagree about that, too. Yeah. Uh, but it takes its time. It takes a whole lot of time. It, it takes a whole lot of precious time. <laughs> I'm I sorry, should I'm say, No, no. <laughs> I, I should say I appreciate many elements of this movie. The pacing is not one of them. The pacing is horrible. But we'll, we'll get to that later. Let's, let's talk about the star, the red carpet, man, because... Uh, uh, this is 1980, and there probably isn't a bigger movie star right then than Robert, Robert De, Niro. De Niro. And he was perfect in this role. Like when I when I saw him open as the comedian Jake LaMotta. Yes. In in the opening, I was like, "This is this is perfect." Years later, this is what two years ago, a movie called The Comedian came out where he played an aging comedian. Yes. Sailing. So very <laughs> reminiscent of old Jake LaMotta and. I mean, they him and Scorsese had already mm-hmm. paired up. Uh, I think it's seventy six for right. Taxi Driver. The taxi Driver, and so that's another movie I haven't seen him forever. I need to go back and see the pace. Talk about that pedophilia, one. Jesus! Yeah, oh, yeah, man, that, that is a really weird man. I didn't think about that before, but yeah, you have Jodie Foster mm-hmm. as a teenage prostitute in that one, yep. and in this one, Jake LaMotta essentially marries or starts to date, and then marries a fifteen year old. Yeah, fifteen year old, and they never really resolve the issues with that, and then he runs into like an underage girl problem later in yeah, the movie so right. there is all kinds of awkward stuff in this movie and huh that's a really weird scorsese trait that i hadn't connected the dots on before that's kind <laughs> deer of, hunter is yeah that's <laughs> kind of disturbing and that's all sort of hitting me right now Jeez, and then of course scarface for the same uh kind of well i don't know how old she uh, michelle fiver's character was in that movie i think movie, she was but, old enough well, in she, that movie but then he had that weird attraction to his sister that no, yeah. that no one ever talked about either so Whew. what is scorsese doing here come back next week when we talk about another I, film i think maybe scarface is not uh uh scorsese oh is uh, scorface is uh, uh brian de palma yeah, or somebody yeah, yeah, yeah. like that That's yeah right. 
I said I I was all still, way off. The late seventies and eighties were a freaky time for yes, people in movies. It is Brian De Palma. It was a freaky time. So we have Robert De Niro. Uh, Joe was Pesci. great. He was great. Joe Pesci, very young Joe Pesci. Yes, he is on. very good in this yes, movie. He really was. Uh, still just curse-laden mouth, just every other word is, is the F word. So. I'm telling you, man, people people might look at Goodfellas for the template of the Joe Pesci character. No, no, no. It is Raging Bull, I think, that establishes the template of the... Yes. Because he is a short man syndrome, wisecracking, foul-mouthed, yes. temper-filled person in this yes. movie as well. This is... To me, this is the template for the Joe Pesci character that you see in so many movies. I can totally see that. And then, not to sound, uh, not to be that guy, but then like every other Italian actor you had ever heard of was in this movie. Yes. <laughs> so that's, you know, good for the family, I guess. No, it was. I, I, I do want to shout out uh, Kathy Moriarty. Yes. I thought that she was really good as the ooh, uncomfortably aged teenager sure. Uh, in the movie, and she eventually plays Jake LaMotta's wife, mm -hmm. and I thought she was really good, really good. She was very, oh, gosh, was she 15 in this? There's no There's way. There's no way, right? Because she was beautiful in this movie, and especially because the way- Be careful, because that's one of the things that brought Jake LaMotta down later. It, it sure is, but the way, I think the way this was shot in black and white made her even more attractive because she was a fair-skinned lady she and, seemed like a classic and, beauty yes yeah. yeah so i i could totally uh I, I can totally see why she was cast in this role so okay this movie came out in 1980 right yes it did uh okay so hmm i'm getting conflicting information one spot says that she was 17 in this movie another spot says she was born in 1960 mm. i guess they could have taken a while to edit and all that so she was probably 17 or 18 okay. in this movie all right. which is a little scary because there's some i don't know like it's not a graphic sex scene but it's a verbally graphic sure. sex scene sure so it's weird yeah but she's really good in this movie she is all right so uh box office star power we talked about a lot. log line you know i didn't do a log line for this i, I need to look to see if there even was one because this is this just says nope it's not it's just raging bull with a picture of beat up jake lamotta on the cover marty so. scorsese has no time for your nonsense yeah and Martin scorsese is above log lines that's right is he's that, not above doing cocaine or whatever at this time yeah. but he's <laughs> above the rest so uh before we get into all that I, I was telling you off air that this was specifically shot in black and white yes why because of the other boxing films that were coming out around the time more specifically rocky rocky because of the way rocky was rocky was 76 is that yes so and then uh, rocky 2 came out in 79 which is exactly. right before this exactly so they wanted to be able to differentiate between the two films and i th I, was, I was telling you i had a hard time watching this movie it's slow it's very slow and it, he's very he's so self-destructive and it's very violent and it's it's i know that it's meant to be that way sure but i just think in like i don't i I brought up Scarface. I hate Scarface. I don't. I don't like that movie at all. And this is something that I was. I was watching. I was like, oh, I got. I I see the merits of this movie. I really do. And there's a lot I like about this movie. But it's a movie filled with horrible people mm -hmm. doing horrible things to each other. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for an uplifting movie, this is not this it. Ain't it. Like th there is moments that I can see how you would be excited, but they come crashing down soon enough. So sure. these people who are all family, some by choice, some mm -hmm. by birth, they all act horribly to each other. Yes. Uh, the children look like they get scarred horribly in this mm -hmm. movie. There are many 
many terrible things that happen in this movie, and it's about terrible people. <laughs> I get it, dude. So goes the Scorsese film catalog, yes, right? Taxi Driver is not about good people at all. Goodfellas is not about good people. No, Henry Hill. What's he doing? Living in Seattle still. Uh, all right. So yeah, this was specifically shot in black and white, and That's interesting. this took a this took a long time for. Uh, for De Niro to convince Scorsese to make this film. He had, he had read this book, and he loved the book. So it was a book. It was okay, a book. Yeah, so it was Jake Amata. It was a book. And uh, De Niro tried for seven years to try to get him to make this movie. Really? And he wouldn't do it, and he wouldn't do it, and he wouldn't do it. And then he made a, uh, Scorsese made a movie called New York, New York, and it was not well-received at all. And it sent him into a downward spiral. And what did you do in a downward spiral in the 80s? He cocaine. did cocaine. So yeah. he did cocaine. Dude, and he's a well-known druggie. Yes. And he, he had an overdose, nearly died. Whoa. I didn't know And uh, De Niro goes to visit him, and he finally convinces him to make this film. And it... It saved his career, is what, it, and it saved his life, really. And there are wow, there are direct parallels to Jake LaMotta in this movie and the fights that he's going through in the ring in his life, and the fights that Scorsese are, are having personally. So that's why some of it is so violent, and some of it is shot the way it is. You mentioned the way it was graphic; it was the blood squirting out of the face. Yes, and, and that the, that's on purpose because. He, uh, Scorsese is almost telling a story of what what he's going through at the time. I and I, that's fascinating, and I can see why I can see why that's an element of why this movie is beloved because yeah. it is very personal and there's a message that goes beyond just the boxing. So okay, Definitely. that's good to know. I was curious because, like I said, this is a highfalutin movie, yes. and part of me thought that it was in black and white just because they were like, <laughs> that's what highfalutin people would do. Sure, um, I really did kind of think that. <laughs> um, now. Where were you the first time you saw this? Do you remember? Yes. So for the longest time, I was fascinated, some might say obsessed, with the AFI Top 100. So back in the day, the American Film Institute Mm -hmm. put out their Top 100 movies of all time. I don't ever think I got all 100, but like I went out of my way to see, you know, like the Marx Brothers with Duck Soup because I think that was number 100. And obviously, I do very much love Citizen Kane, which also moves at a slow pace, and that's number one on the list. But I wanted to see like as many of the movies on the list as I can conceivably could and so raging bull i mean came out like right around when i was born i guess it didn't hold a great bit of interest to me even though it was about boxing but yeah there was a time a while back maybe 10 years or so ago when i really wanted to pick up as many of these movies as i could Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of the string where i saw a bunch of these movies okay so i had not seen it until this weekend like i mentioned earlier disappointed you know, I took it with a grain of salt because I understood the error of film that this was. With that being said, it was just a really tough watch. Like, like you kept saying, it's slow, it's slow, it's slow. It is, and there are elements like there, there are points in this film like you're like, this is going to be great. There's going to like, there's a high crescendo, and then all of a sudden, nothing. Yeah, and it just like what, why, why, why did you do that? Yep. So. It, it was confusing uh, which to me. I think is intentional. It is. I do. It's confusing to me. And then this is Scorsese 
again, people say this movie saved his career and saved his life, and I was like, eh, I like more modern day Scorsese. <laughs> I could see how it saved his life, especially with what you were saying about the violence and mm-hmm. everything, because this feels like. I didn't know that before, you know, two minutes ago. Sure. This feels like it was probably a really cathartic movie for him to make. Yes, it was. Because it's about terrible people doing terrible things, and he probably felt like he purged Mm -hmm. a lot out of his system with this movie. So I say bravo to him for saving his career and saving his life, because you look look back at it now, Marty Scorsese, Mm -hmm. Martin, if you will, uh, surely lauded as one of the great directors of... This or any other time, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and definitely. so if this is what kept his career, then bravo. Bravo. But it is it is a hard movie to watch outside of pacing because th- there is not a lot of redemption, no. if any, in this movie. It's about bad people doing bad things to each other. And I want to I jump to the end of the film here, and I, I, we're going to get to the rest of it. But it he specifically is quoting uh, the Marlon Brando movie at the end. Uh, is it on the waterfront? On the waterfront, he he's specifically quoting that in the mirror, and he's doing that because he's like having this realization. And I think, in some ways, that's party. That's probably Marty talking about his last film. No question, <laughs> I'm with you 100 percent on that. So we'll get to that later. But all right, this this opens in a great way. It's Jake Lamotta doing stand up comedy. Man, okay, so. I didn't realize how many parodies I had seen about this before. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because like, and right after, right after, uh, or I guess it's right before the stand-up comedy, you have the slow-mo credits of him in the smoke-filled black and white yes. boxing ring with his flowing robe and just kind of dancing around. And I've seen parodies of that before. And there are several parodies of this I have seen in like whether it's the Simpsons or whatever else, and that was really interesting to me. And I know we'll get to more of the stuff that I really did like about the movie, but I very much enjoyed the credits. I thought it was very well done. So that the credit, intro credits, yeah. the intro credits is shot in a way, and it's very specific. It frames up the whole movie for you in that opening scene because this whole movie is literally Lamada fighting himself. He's his biggest opponent. Oh yeah. So. As he's shadow boxing in the ring and no one else is there, the way it's shot from from the side of the side of the ring and it's only shooting the one corner, it tells you it's a great foreshadowing of, of the whole film. Like this is this is Lamada versus nobody else. It's Lamada versus himself. I I agree. It's so very well put. Very well. Put. <laughs> there you go. And it opens up after that. It opens in the comedy. And uh, he has a flashback, and that's where the movie begins. And his brother is it? Is it Joey? Is it Joey Lamont? Yes. And by the way, I don't know if you ever if this ever crosses your mind, but I always think this is that characters, whether it's like the the one I always think of is Tony Danza in mm-hmm. Who's the Boss. Sure. I always wonder if it's because they're not smart enough to know a different character's name. <laughs> like in this one, it's based on a true story, sure. so his name probably really was Joey. But sure. I always wonder if it's like is that actor not smart enough to know that like his name is Joe? <laughs> but he's playing a character named Steve and he couldn't <laughs> comprehend the two differences. So that thought always crosses my mind. It could like Joey from friends, right? Yes. Oh, I hate that show. I never watched what? it. What? No, I've never. How are you going to say you hate it and then you never watch I've, it? I've watched like six episodes. I know the smelly cat. That's all I know. Okay. That's all I know. My, my wife loves it. So it's, uh, it's a quality show. I hear, I hear that. 
I hear that. Catch it's, the fever. It's not Seinfeld, so okay, so, fair enough. <laughs> so it it opens in the he's he's in the he's in the comedy club, and then we have a flashback, and uh, Joey is his sparring partner slash ring manager slash brother. Yeah, and he, maybe in that order. Yeah, may, yeah, maybe in that order, and he's he's uh, setting up a a fixed fight with with a mob boss. Is that? Am I, yeah, I mean that's what it was, right? The, it was okay. So one of the ways that I did know that this movie got to me is I wanted to know more about Jake LaMotta, the person, mm-hmm. because all I ever knew was Jake LaMotta, the template of Raging Bull. Right. And so I really wanted to know more about his like actual fighting career and how factual some of these things were, because jumping down the road, spoiler alert, this movie came out 38 years ago. When he eventually <laughs> does win the middleweight title, he mm-hmm. almost loses it in his very first, all his second defense. Yeah. And he makes like a miraculous comeback. And I was like, did that really happen? And so I, it really did. Yeah. Like That's how that fight really played out. Um, but I was really fascinated by his boxing career, and so I wanted to go back and look up mm-hmm. everything about his boxing career. And uh, one of the things that fascinated me about it, and it still does to this day, is how frequently people would fight back then. And you see this a lot with up-and-coming boxers will mm-hmm. fight a lot more frequently than obviously once you get to champion level or prize fighter level or whatever, you'll sure. fight twice a year. But um he was fighting you know every two weeks every three weeks he was fighting sugar ray robinson every three weeks Uh, (laughs) and and so i was really fascinated by he could fight you know 15 times in a year with no problem because you look at his final record he was i don't know like 119 or something and i'm thinking how the hell did he fight so many times and then you see sugar ray robinson was uh like uh, 101 and then eventually finished his career 170 and 15 and i'm like how the hell did he fight so many times and it's because fight 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 so some of these fights that happen rapid fire mm-hmm. in the movie it's because they happen pretty rapid fire in real life yeah so i mean that's that was their livelihood back then right so that's how they had to make yeah, there are no millions of dollars exactly or... you might you know you might be getting a hundred dollars a fight I mean, on some levels and you know some levels you might be getting much much more than that which makes sense why it would be you know like putting the ethics aside and i understand that's like a hard thing to say, but I'm just saying, strictly from a monetary standpoint, it would be impossible for me to conceive of Floyd Mayweather throwing a fight because he's already making a hundred million dollars. Or you know, Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury from this last weekend, they both stood to make about five million plus all the pay-per-view grosses. Sure. So it's harder for me to imagine them taking a dive in these fights. But if you're only making sixty dollars to begin with, mm-hmm. like you look at the beginning of Rocky, he even won, and I think he made forty-three dollars. You're yeah. looking at this with Lamont and he's making maybe a hundred dollars. Then I could totally see how someone could swoop in and say, "I'll pay you ten times as much," because nobody's paying Tyson Fury a hundred million dollars to take a dive. Right? No one's paying Floyd Mayweather a billion dollars to take a dive. But would you pay one of these guys a thousand to take a dive? Totally. totally. And I could see how. I'm not saying it's ethical, but if you can't pay the rent or you can't pay your me feed your family, I could see how you absolutely would listen, and especially during this era of yes. boxing, right? Oh yeah, right. I mean, it's easy. So his brother tells him, "You're gonna have to take one to get the t- to get the, the, the title fight." Yeah. yeah, the title fight. So you know, I don't go down for anybody and and all, that whole thing. Long story short, he gets the title defense, and his first first one, he, he no, I'm. I'm I'm fast forwarding this. Sugar Ray Robinson, he beats him the first time, and then he, and he loses so, to him the second time. So, but 
not I'm losing some stuff there. You're it's okay. I that's the first uh I think that might have been the first Sugar Ray Robinson fight they fought. So they fought six times. Right. I was really fascinated by this, so I went back and looked it up. Okay. So he definitely lost the first one. Mm-hmm. And he definitely won the second one, like by uh, by both how it happened in the ring sure. and what the outcome was. Sure. So they were one and one. And then the best I can tell by reading up on it is in the third fight, the third fight is the one right before Sugar Ray Robinson was going to go into the military. Right. And the, the, go ahead. And, and that is featured in the film. And he's all pissed off that he lost. And I was reading up a lot of people kind of think that he won that fight. Then he definitely lost the fourth one. And then he lost the fifth one. But a lot of people think he might have won that one. So it's interesting because they fight five times. And they fight five times in the span of like two years. Okay. And Lamana's one and four against Sugar Ray Robinson. But the thing that's important about that is that's Sugar Ray Robinson's only fight that he loses until he gets to like a hundred wins. So I looked it up and even Ring Magazine a while back, they did their 80 best fighters of the last 80 years. They mm-hmm. listed Sugar Ray Robinson as number one. Really? Interestingly enough, Jake Lamont is like 56. So hey, if you're one of the 56 best fighters of all time, that's right. pretty dang good. But yeah, Sugar Ray Robinson is number one and he starts off his career 101. The only loss, Jake Lamotta. And so, but out of those five fights, there are some people who think that fights three and five were won by Lamada. So even though he's losing one to four in the series, mm-hmm. some people think he should be up three to, two, three to two, with those being the only blemishes on Sugar Ray Robinson's mark uh, record. So down the line, when Lamada wins the title and they fight for a sixth time, that seems stupid. Mm-hmm. But you're like, well, if it's really three to two, maybe they should. Or if it's really four to one Robinson, he certainly deserves a shot at the title. Right. And so I, I became particularly enamored with that because... Uh, fights one and two are clear. Fight four is clear for Sugar Ray. So it's definitely two, one Sugar Ray. And then fights three and five mm-hmm. apparently hold some controversy where Robinson takes the decision. Mm-hmm. One of them is a split decision. One of them is a unanimous decision. But there are people who are like, I don't know about that. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, I know. interesting. And that's, that's really what I'm saying. And, and that's one of the reasons that like I and, and I have commented on the pacing, but that's one of the ways I could tell I truly did enjoy this movie at my core is because I had to go out and seek out information about Lamada, and then once I got it, then I became fascinated by Sugar Ray Robinson, sure. and then I became fascinated by their fights, all based off of seeing this movie this weekend, and so or seeing it again this weekend, sure. and so that's a way I can tell that a movie did speak to me at a certain level. Okay, there you go. And now let's get to the pedophilia thing because we got to talk about it. <laughs> it's super weird, and they yeah. don't really address it. No, they don't. Uh, this fifteen-year-old girl sitting by the pool, and he, his brother, has to step in and remind him that he's married. Yeah. So I did some research about this too. Okay. Because I really needed to know. Well, before you, before you give this to me, I want to tell you a story about. Uh, what is this story about? Do I want to hear this story? About Jerry Lee Lewis. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who Ooh. also had a big thing. Yep. This is a true story. This really happened. Um, my grandmother, my 
was like a legit groupie for Jerry Lee Lewis. Shut yes. up. Are you kidding I, me? I'm dead serious. And I remember, I can vividly remember sitting at her house at the kitchen table, flipping through pages of a photo album, and there's this man that I don't recognize. And I, I say, oh, Grandma, who's this? And she says, oh, that's Jerry. That's all she ever said. Oh, my That's gosh. Jerry. So I come, I get over to my grandmother's house one day. Uh, I rode my bike over there, and there's a black Cadillac sitting in the, in the driveway, walk inside, God dang it if it's not Jerry Lee Lewis sitting at my grandmother's table. Not only did she know Jerry Lee Lewis, he knew her and they had a relationship. They were Oh my they were, God. So this happens and right after that This is like, shocking. Right, right after that, I saw I saw the movie Great Balls of Fire. <sighs> and then I put I put it all together who Jerry Lee Lewis was. And uh my grandmother's never wanted me to talk about it since. So, because oh, he like married his fourteen-year-old cousin or something. Exactly. Like that, right? What is it with people in that era that that was okay? I think it's honestly, I think it's the power thing, right? Like, what you get to a point, and this is going to sound weird, but tell me if you think this has validity. You get to a point where you're so beloved or so powerful, you want to see what you can get away with, with yeah. because you get away with so many things. Sure, you know, like for example, this is a like this is a, this is a terrible example, but stick with me. Is so my son and I went to go see Elf the musical at Fair Park okay. this weekend, and so our waiter knew who I was and was really you know like kind and complimentary of and like think about what. What a low level of like celebrity and adulation that can be. And I'm sure, you know, you run into the same thing with the Fat Packs podcast mm-hmm, yeah. and this props podcast and everything like that. Um, and think about like the benefits that people want to cut you and everything mm-hmm. and how cool you think that is. But then imagine you're like a thousand times bigger and you are one of the most powerful people in the world mm-hmm. and you can do anything you want. I hasten to guess at some point you want to see exactly how much you can get away with. I think so. And you decide what's the most crazy thing you can do. You're going to marry your teenage cousin and see if anybody stops you. And they didn't. And they didn't. And they didn't. And in this movie, they didn't either. They didn't stop it in this one either. And by the way, this is not made up. So I looked it up. (laughs) This is a true thing? This is a true thing. Oh, my God. Okay. So... Believe it or not, Jake LaMotta is significantly younger than I would have guessed because it looks like when the movie starts, he's already 40, right? Right, right. In reality, so I check the ages and everything because this is a really creepy part of the movie. It's a huge part of the movie. It's a massive part of the movie. Is when they met, she was 15 and he was about 23. Okay. Which is shocking because he looks way older. Way than older than that. In the movie. All right. And so he's already married, and mm-hmm. I think he already had a kid from that other marriage. Mm-hmm. And they meet and they start an affair, and that affair carries on. They eventually get married when she's 17 and he's 25. Still creepy, less creepy, I guess. Uh, but the fact is, he started having an affair with this girl when she was 15. Oh. And that's a thing that is factually true and super creepy. Yeah, this girl's... And they never really address it, like, how terrible it is, because that's just the thing that happens. And Jake LaMotta went on to be married. How many times do you think? Six. Seven. Ooh. And he, he, last time he got married, he was, like, it was few years before he died i think yeah. and he was 
in his 80s or 90s sure. last time, I guess. So he got married seven times. Wow. Yeah. Creepy. Wow. He was... Um... All right. <laughs> that, that that being said, and it is very uncomfortable, that is a huge part of the story, and that's where I thought Kathy Moriarty really shined. Yeah, she did. Go. And I really did feel sympathetic to her character, because not only is Jake LaMotta a psychopath. Right. I'm just going to throw that out there. Sure. Like, not, that probably makes him a good boxer, and all the pain he carries in there makes him a good boxer. But he's, a, he's, he's an unquestionably bad person. He beats up women. Right. He beats up his wife. Mm-hmm. He's violent in front of children. He has horribly violent altercations with family members. And uh, he's a pedophile, mm-hmm. which that comes up again later in the movie. And he's like, oh, she didn't look that young. Exactly. He, he has sex with a 14-year-old. Right. And his excuse was, oh, come on, officer. Does she look that young? That's not a valid excuse at all. <laughs> not at all. And he cheats on his wife. Like, he's a, a, an objectively terrible person. And his brother is too. Yes, his brother is an <laughs> equally terrible person who, on his best day, is bad mouthing his wife in front of his kids and talking down to them. His brother tells him in this moment, You're a married man, let me have the young ones. That's what he tells him. Holy smokes. <laughs> Yeah, not that you shouldn't go after her because she's 15. Right. You shouldn't go after her because you're married, so he gets to do it? Exactly. That was his line of thinking. That was his logic. That That is nuts. This movie's filled with terrible people. So uh, it is. I, with, so with this, I was interested more in LaMotta, the, the character and sure. the, the man. And uh, what this movie really boils down to is his inferiority complex that he has uh with women his his sexual inferiority complex and i looked into it and it's called the madonna whore the madonna whore what's the what the word is i'm looking for uh dichotomy okay okay so what this is this is a this is a true theory or not a truth this is a theory that's out there good news props people (laughs) you get to learn today um this is a this is freud or somebody like that sure um a man sees a woman that he is absolutely smitten with and in love with almost immediately because she's so beautiful. Okay. And he thinks to himself, I could never have her. Okay. And then he gets her and then she becomes a whore because if she did that with me, she must do that with everybody. Huh. And that does come up later in it, the movie. Yes, it does. So uh, in a very wow. in a very prominent way. I learned today. <laughs> so... Um, it it starts here with her by the by the pool or whatever it is. he's immediately spent with her and when it finally comes to be that he's with her and he he has an affair with her and he ends up in marrying her it becomes a huge complex later in the movie as he just assumes and probably the best scene in the whole movie that Everybody is sleeping with her. Oh, that is a great scene. She is great in that scene, yes. too, because at that moment, man, Kathy Moriarty, I, I'm willing to predict she's up for Best Supporting Actress in this movie. Okay. She earns that nomination in that moment where she steps up and she becomes the aggressor. She's yep. like, yeah, no, I did hook up with that guy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's way more graphic than it, that. It's a like, lot more graphic She's than like, that. I did hook up with that guy. And that guy, and you don't even want to know what I did with that guy. Yeah. And she takes the power right there because she's like, if you're going to treat me mm-hmm. like this dichotomy, then guess what? I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to own it. And I don't believe her in that moment. Like, I don't think she did any of those right. things. She was just doing but it. But she it. took it to be like, guess what? If you're going to call me this, then I'm going to own it because it's going to break you. Yep. And it kind of does. It does. Because Robert De Niro goes insane yes, after that. he does. And that leads to maybe the most horrifying scene in the entire movie. When he's getting his 
head he goes in yeah. with his brother. Yeah. So awful. Uh, but super interesting. Very interesting. I, like if you if you're looking for that movie to just bam punch you in the stomach with emotion, it's in that five minutes. It really is. And so all of this is happening outside of the ring. And yeah. when he finally gets in the ring, it is somehow not as violent and brutal as his real life. As yes. his real life. But so all the punches that you see and the way Scorsese shot it with, I said it earlier, with like the squirting blood and the squirting sweat. I'm, I'm remembering uh, the scene where he's punched directly in the nose and it's kind of slow-mo across yep. his face. And then he's punched directly under the eyelid and his eyelid comes down and, and blood yeah. squirts out. It, like It's so graphic inside of the ring, but none of that is really what's happening in the ring. It's about what's happening outside of the ring. And he's taking all this punishment because he thinks that he should. And sometimes he looks indifferent to it. Yeah. You know, like that's why you can't knock him down because he's like, do you know how effed up my life is? Exactly. Like this is nothing compared to how jacked up my life is. You don't even know. Nothing. Yeah, you don't even know. You don't even know. That is a good analogy in there. That really is. And then we'll, we'll get to the scene here that you keep talking talking about the the reason he goes to jail is because he's he's setting up other men and he's having relationship sexual relations with underage women and, and it seems like his comedy factory is yeah, like kind of a whorehouse exactly sort of, right and it's kind of i'm not to be light about the situation, I'm kind of reminded of Richard Pryor in that in that situation where okay. his his grandmother or his mother ran a, ran a whorehouse and he did comedy there sometimes. But I mean, that's when he was younger as a kid. As he grew up, he didn't do comedy there. But uh, I'm I'm looking at that situation. I'm like, that's kind of like Richard Pryor. It's and it's one of those things where I I just wonder if. You have had everything that life has to offer. What levels do you have to go to right. to get your thrills? And his thrills was, I guess, pseudo-anonymous sex and maybe underage sex. Like, mm-hmm. I do get the sense of that moment that he didn't really think uh, – well, actually, I'm going to take that back. I was going to say that I didn't really think that he thought those girls were underage. But now that I think about it, he totally knew they were underage. Of course he Because did. in his bar – he says, prove to me that you're 21, and then they start making out with him. So right. he knows they're underage. I don't even know why I felt sympathy for him for just a <laughs> second. But he knows they're underage. He has sex with them anyway. And then when he gets caught by the cops, his literally his excuse is, come on. She didn't look that young. She didn't young. look that young. That's No, that is never going to work in the history of ever. But... He, like we said, he's a bad person, which makes his story like oddly fascinating because he does make his run to the title. And the weird thing is, you do feel kind of sympathetic for him somewhere along the way. Is he, it the jail cell? Uh, I don't feel sympathetic for him there. Okay. I felt sympathetic for him because it does seem like, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to look up his actual fight record too, which is is accurately reflected in the movie is it does seem like he's getting jobbed out of a title shot you know like he has to wait six years and probably at least a couple years too long to get a title shot and quite frankly i think if you beat sugar ray robinson given the resume i told you of him that should automatically qualify you for a title shot but it does seem like he's being railroaded out of a title shot and so I thought he was sympathetic in that it seemed like he was one of the world's best fighters but wasn't getting his due. That makes him sympathetic. And then you counterbalance it with the fact that in real life, he's bad. Bad person. So bad. Sugar Ray Robinson in this film is portrayed by the actor Johnny Barnes. And oddly enough, 
this was his last film. Like this was it. Really? He was in he was in the Warriors. He played Turnball oh, in the yeah. Warriors. Come out and play. Yeah. And then he was in this and that was it. Wow. I, okay, and I want to shout out another person. I guess I didn't. Uh, I, I guess I didn't realize it at the moment. The guy who played uh, uh, Tommy uh, Tommy Como, yeah. uh, Nicholas Castellano. Yeah. yeah, he is coach. Yeah, from Cheers. Yeah, and I honestly I didn't think about that when I because this movie is hyper focused on three characters everybody else is kind of in the periphery yeah and so when you were talking about all the other italian actors that are in it and everything like that it really is it is a hyper focused movie on jake lamotta his wife and his brother other people get screen time for a minute here and there but it is a very very focused movie on those three characters right it's it's very much and maybe that's probably my part of my problem with it i know it's almost like a a character study almost on those three guys, it on is. those three people. But it was so slow that there was not much else development anywhere else. And that I think that would have been more of an issue if it was like a TV show, because if you only have three characters that anybody cares about, mm-hmm. your show's not going to get that far. Sure. That's, you know, well, since we already referenced Friends, that's one thing that <laughs> they did right, is they immediately established six main characters, right. and then they expanded from there. Sure. And that's very helpful. And even with Seinfeld, at least you had four main characters, mm-hmm. and then they expanded from there. Mm-hmm. But if you only have three, that would be a problem. For this movie, I thought it worked, and... You know, we talked a lot about what happens in the boxing. I do want to say I thought the way that Scorsese filmed the boxing scenes cleverly made up for what I'm guessing is not the most athletic working people in the world. Surprisingly enough, De Niro was trained by LaMotta for this film. Really? Does LaMotta strike you as like a... I don't know. He Lamana just strikes me as someone who used brute force over anything yeah. else. But it worked, right? It worked. It worked. He actually took three fights in New York. Wow. He won two of them, and the other one was a split decision. Okay. So Holy cow. He to to De Niro's credit. He put in the work. He put in the work. Okay. Well, the hell with what I was about to say then. But <laughs> but but serious that is really interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, I would go. love to see those actual fights. Uh but what I would say is I thought the way they filmed it is very claustrophobic. You know, the way they film it in Rocky, you get a, a you get a, a much larger scope yeah, of yeah. the fans and the ring. Right. In the vast majority of these fights that they show, the camera is like right in right. the tussle. It's right in the scrap. It's right in the tie-up. And I thought it really added a lot of urgency and some kind of dread to some of these scenes because you kind of want to get away like you almost want to move out of the way of some of these punches but you can't because the camera doesn't move more than six inches away from the fight and it is very claustrophobic and i thought the way he shot it very sharp the way he shot it on lamata's face when he was taking punches very good Incredible, and you're right. You want to move it. Made it made me feel uncomfortable. It does, and that's the idea. Yeah. whoa, Whoa, and then. You know, it it's just shot beautifully. Yeah. I I they, can't agree disagree with that. When we were talking about, I know, and I don't actually know the answer to this other one. I know we'll get to the awards in a minute, but if I had to guess, I know Robert De Niro won for Best Actor. My next guess would be the cinematographer. Oh yeah, one that yeah. would be. I don't know if that's the case, but you said they won two. That's my other guess. Okay, well we'll get to those in just a minute. Let's finish out the film. Uh, he he. 
the film ends where it begins back in the comedy club. Yes. And he says, you know, I, I could have been a contender, you know. This, he basically goes through that whole uh, no, now on the waterfront, on the waterfront, on the waterfront which scene. is a great movie. Yeah, and then he uh, he the 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 movie actually ends on a Bible quote, and it says, uh, "It does." Yeah, All I know is this: odd. once I was blind, and now I can see. So, I think that's there's a lot of symbolism going on there. It could it could be Scorsese, it could be Lamada himself, you know, realizing what a crap life he's had who do you what do you think because i think especially based on some of the stuff you just told me it's got to be scorsese because i do not get the sense by the end of that movie that jake lamada has learned his lessons maybe he does later but i do not get that sense in the moment i think so too i think you're right it has to be scorsese i think because agreed lamada even to the end of his life is not the best of people. No, that pedophile charge is not that far before he. We get to to the comedy exactly. store. Exactly. Exactly. All right. That's that. We'll we'll, we'll end that review there. Let's get to the awards because I was I was fascinated by this. Um, I told you it's going to be the best reviewed movie we ever do. It raked, man. It raked with two. So Academy Awards, nineteen eighty one winner, Oscar for best leading role, Robert De Niro. Oh, you were wrong. Close. Best film editing, editing, Thelma Schoonmaker. Huh. That's, I, okay. That's fascinating to me. I don't entirely agree with that because I do think the pacing is an issue. However, the pacing is a directorial issue as well, though I'm sure Scorsese was up for best director. But I bet that that means that she had a huge role in piecing together the Mm -hmm. boxing sequences, which in that instance, I get it. Okay. uh, Same year. It was nominees and it was a nominee in the best picture category. Yep. Best actor in a supporting role for Joe Pesci. Yep. Best actress in a supporting role, yes. Kathy Moriarty. Best director, Martin Scorsese. Best cinematography, Michael Chapman. And best sound, uh, by those four guys. Yes, and and I should shout that out. the The sound and the music is phenomenal. If you listen to movie. the crowd, if you listen to the crowd, it is loud crowd noises and it is also loud animal noises. So you can. If you can depict between the two, again, it's another parallel between what's going on in his life and what's going on in the ring. It really is. The sound, I thought, added tremendously to this movie, and I thought the score added tremendously to this movie. If you're looking for things that stand out about this movie, the way it's shot, the way it sounds, and the acting in it are all above reproach. Yes. Absolutely agree. All right. Uh, Golden Globes, 1981 Golden Globes winner. Best Actor in a Motion Picture, Robert De Niro. Nominee, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress in a Supporting Role, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, New Star of the Year in a Motion Picture, Female, Kathy Moriarty, and Best Screenplay, uh, Paul Schrader and Mardrick Martin. So that was the the Golden Globes. So typically wherever the Oscars go, the Golden Globes sure. go to, right? BAFTA Awards. I don't know what the oh, BAFTA Awards are. I know are. what the BAFTA Awards okay, are. Please tell me the those. The BAFTA Awards are essentially the British Oscars. Okay, all right. They're uh, a pretty big deal. All right. Winner, Best Editing and Most Outstanding Newcomer in a Leading Role, Joe Pesci. Okay. All right. Yeah. Nomin- sent the template. Yes, it did. Uh, nominee, Best Actor, Robert De Niro, and Most Outstanding Newcomer in a Leading Role, Kathy Moriarty. Uh, American Cinema Cinema Editors winner an Eddie Award Best Edited Feature Film. That's not surprising given the other awards. <laughs> Boston Society of Film Critics Award uh, Best Film, 
Best Actor and Best Cinematography, all winners. The David D. Donatello Awards. Do you know oh, what those are? I don't. Those sound fancy. Ninja Turtle Awards. Mm, yes, the Ninja Turtle Awards. Best Foreign Actor. So, okay, these are. Oh, clear. okay. This is like Italian uh, award, Yeah, it must maybe. be. And Best Foreign Director. Uh, it was nominated in both of those categories. Directors Guild of America. This is a nominee in the Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Motion Pictures. DVD Exclusive Awards in 2006. Oh. Winner, the DVDX Award, Overall DVD Classic Film. Okay. Raging Bull. Okay. Nominee, Best Audio Commentary, okay, Best I Menu see, Design. I can see that. Uh, the Photogrammas de Plata in 1982. A nominee, foreign, Best Foreign Movie Performer, Robert De Niro. Guild of German Art House Cinemas. Wow. Winner, Foreign Film, Martin Scorsese. Italian National Syndicate of Film Journal. I don't know how this didn't win every award there. Nominee, The okay. Silver Ribbon, Best Foreign Director. Los <laughs> Angeles Film Critic Awards Association. Winner, Best Picture and Best Actor. This goes on and on and on. National Board of Review. Winner, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor in, in the Top Ten Films. Uh, wow. National Film Preservation Award, a winner. National Film Registry. National Society of Film Critics Awards. Winner. Best Supporting Actor, Joe Pesci, Director, Cinematography, Actor, and Best Film. Uh, tied with Every Man for Himself in 1980. Okay. I don't, I don't I, even I, know, I, I know that, that is yeah. And Best Supporting Actress, Kathy Moriarty. She really is top-notch. Uh, New York Films Critical, Critics Circle Awards in 1980. Winner, Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor. Nominee, Best Director and Best Film. So I decided to just check on this because I was curious, especially when you said the National Board of Review. I was like, I know this movie is really high up there. Uh, AFI, top 100 movies of all time. It is number 24. Ready to have your mind blown? Yeah. Just ahead of E.T. Wow. What? Yeah. What? Number 24 of all time. Wow. That is crazy. Absolutely not. Fun fact about the number two movie on there. I thought I was going to get in trouble when I used to work at Blockbuster because we had this program, uh, Free Favorites. If you rented an older movie and you didn't like it, we would give you a coupon to get another free older movie. Okay. And somebody was like, hey, I need a Free Favorites coupon. And like, I was going to give it to them, but I was just curious. I was like, what movie didn't they like? And, I, and they said Casablanca. And I was like, Casablanca? I was like, whoever doesn't like that shouldn't be allowed to rent movies anymore. <laughs> what I did not know is that person was standing right behind me. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, crap. And they go, I'm sorry. I just thought it was boring. But they weren't mean or anything about sure. it. I was like, oh, I was just kidding. Here you go. But in my mind, I was like, whew. Because I got nervous because I was like, don't talk bad about the customers. And I didn't mean to hurt their feelings. I just like, that's the number two movie. And they didn't like it. <laughs> and so, you know. All right. Let's get to the memorabilia. Three things you would like from this film. For sure. Especially given what I learned about him after the fact is the Sugar Ray Robinson yeah. uh, title belt. Okay. I would love title belt from that. Because he took the diamonds out? The, the no, no. Uh, not Lamanas. I oh. want Sugar Ray Robinson's okay, title you. belt right. because he goes down as maybe the best fighter of all time. I would love a pair of Jake LaMotta trunks, and then I'm going to steal your bit a little bit. I want a ticket stub from their second fight, yeah. because the second fight is the one the LaMotta won, and for a hundred and how many ever fights, that was the only loss yeah. on Sugar Ray Robinson's That's record. That's exactly what I would want from that. I would That's want a that. great, yeah. yeah. Um, 
or, you're at that fight and you have that ticket stub, yeah. holy crap, cash it in, baby. Yes, cash that thing in. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of an unspoken thing. That, there's no contracts or anything, but I want some of that money that was passed over to the mob boss. For the fixed yeah, fight? Yeah. I need some of that. I would never get rid of it either. I would like. I would never spend that $100 or whatever it is. Like, yeah, that's my mob money. Would you want his belt then? His belt that, as you just alluded yeah. to, he needs money to bail himself out of jail mm-hmm. for the pedophile thing. Right. And instead of bringing the belt, this kind of shows you too, he's not smart. No, he's not. Uh, instead of bringing the actual world title belt to to the loan shark or the pawnbroker, he takes the jewels out of right. it, and the guy's like, why didn't you bring the bell? And he's like, no, these are the jewels. And he's like, so you don't see the legitimacy yeah. of having the actual world title bell, huh? Yeah. Okie dokie. There you go. Yeah, it would be his belt. That would be the last one. As far as memorabilia that's available, man, there's tons of it, because this is a very popular movie. And LaMotta didn't die that long yeah, ago. Yeah, LaMotta didn't die that long ago. Uh, you can find autographs from the film, uh, the posters, the... Uh, there, right here, I would love to have this. This is a Martin Scorsese signed Raging Bull, full 186 page script. I would, that really? would be, yeah, that would be awesome. The, the asking How much price does that go for? It's it's 508 dollars on uh, on Hollywood memorabilia. I would have guessed more. You would have guessed more. Uh, there's a mm, oh, here's a full script uh, that has the Raging Bull logo on it for 590 dollars. There's it's. There's plenty of that kind of stuff out there. There's plenty of Jake LaMotta stuff out there. A boxing glove signed by Scorsese, De Niro, and LaMotta would really intrigue That'd be cool. me. That would be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. And then a little tidbit. This is not boxing-related at, at all, but if you go to if you go to the eBay and in the eBay uh, search bar, you type in Raging Bull memorabilia, in these sold listings are the Jordan Air 5s. Be, or the Air Jordan 5s, because those were called the Raging Bull. So, oh! So. That is, huh. There are plenty of Raging Bull Jordan uh, okay. Air 5s out there. And uh, for you for you sneakerheads out there, that's a nice little tie-in to to this film it and to, uh, to to the Jordans. So. That is. That's cool. All right. Uh, let's, let's review this thing. We start with IMDb. Every, go the highest ever. Uh, okay. 9.0. No. No? No, it's actually lower than that. Really? Yes. What is it at? It's an 8-2, and I was thoroughly surprised and happy with that because uh, Creed, which we, Creed 2, uh, which yeah, we, yeah. was an 8. Wow. So. Uh, I know, I feel like Metacritic's where this thing is going to shine, maybe okay. even Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going high here. I'm doubling down 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. 95% wow. on Rotten Tomatoes. an audience score by 93 on the audience Surprising. score. Surprising. I how many of those people do you think just gave it that score, and how many people actually rewatched it recently? Uh, uh, like that's an audience score. I would have guessed more like a seventy, just because it does not seem like a mass audience appeal. Sure. Uh, you know what? Make a bold, make a bold assertion. Hundred percent Metacritic. You would be wrong, sir. Oh. this is actually lower than Raging. What? Than Rotten Tomatoes. Eighty-nine. Shut your mouth! It is an eighty-nine on. on that, I'm stunned by this. This seems like the kind of highfalutin, hoity-toity movie that they would give a hundred percent to. It has a user score of six point eight. Now that's the user score that I understand more. Hey, look! It's really bloody. It's really violent. Really foul mouth. Pedophilia. There's mm-hmm. a lot of horrible things in this movie. Can I read you this one? Sure. <laughs> this. Pelin23 gave this a zero. Wow! Raging Bull is an overrated film that deserves appreciation for its stylish technique. However, 
It is uninteresting, unengaging, and uninvolving. There is absolutely no character we relate to. In the end, it is all about style, photography, and editing, but no substance. I I wouldn't say no substance, especially when you get to some of the like the parallels mm. between. I disagree with the no substance thing. However, I very much agree that it is really hard to find a character like there's no. I mean, I get Lamont is like supposed to be the protagonist, but mm-hmm. not really because right. he's a horribly unlikable person, and so it's it is it is really hard to find a character in this movie that you're like, that's that's my person. Yeah, that that really is. All right. That's it. What are you going to do next week? I'll, I have an opinion, but I'll listen to Just you. Just real quick, I do want to say something. You usually ask this question. You ask if it's a classic. Yeah. All right, I have a controversial opinion here. I did. All right, I'm sorry. I skipped it. Go ahead. It is a classic, but it shouldn't be. That's my opinion. I agree. It should not. I think it's a quality. I think it's a excellently made movie. Mm-hmm. But I do kind of agree with the style over substance. I think it's beautifully shot. The music... The sound and the acting, but the script shaky. Not their fault because these are horrible, horrible person mm-hmm. people. And this movie would have really been a lot better if you trimmed thirty minutes off of it. Let me let me ask you this because hey, it's a two hour runtime, isn't it? It's like two oh nine. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: knowing what you know now and what I told you about Scorsese and all the crap that he was going through right before this film, does that make you feel any better about the it movie? It makes me like it more. It does. It really does. And I liked it, but I was like. Okay, it was good. I can see why people love it. I think it's overrated. Okay. Now, I still feel the same, but I feel a little bit more personal, uh, a, a more personal interest. But that being said, minutes 10 through 50, they you got to work yeah. to get through them. You really do. Like you really do. All right. Uh, million Dollar Baby? That's what I was going to go with. Okay. So there you go. Million yeah. Dollar Baby. <laughs> we'll do that. That's a, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Is there others? I think there are, I mean, but if you want a more low bar, we got like what? Play it to the bone. Southpaw. Yes. Uh, uh, have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. It's not good. It's not good. I mean, we can review it. It's not good. I'll tell you this: if you want a really a, a tiny props episode right here, yeah. if you watch the trailer to Southpaw, you've seen the movie. Oh, it's wow. a whole thing. Wow. Okay, we'll go Million Dollar Baby then, because you know who who doesn't need some Clint Eastwood right before Christmas, right? Absolutely, right before Christmas. Does real Steel count as a boxing movie? No, okay. it does not. It's robot boxing. It's robot boxing. Hell, we might need to do Cinderella Man because I actually went up to Alaska this summer and saw the leather jockstrap. Oh, you from did. Cinderella Man. So there you go. Be a fun little side piece, but yeah, Million Dollar Baby. Let's do it. All right, Million Dollar Baby. Uh, that's a wrap. Oh, I did it wrong. Get it together. Get it together, Eric. Cut. That's a wrap. Thank you.